Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, September 21st, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics. Also on Instagram, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And when you swing by or give them a call, make sure you tell them. I sent you people in here right now getting their skate shopping. The rinks are opening here soon in the New England area. Hockey season right around the corner. All This is the Beantown Athletics is the best skate shopping shop in New England. There's no question about it. So uh, some of the best high school, college players in the area come here to get their skate shopping, even former pros, and you should too. You know, the only reason that the Bruins aren't bringing their skates here is because they have their own guys employed by the team. But if they didn't, I'm pretty sure that uh, they'd be coming here because I know that Jimmy Hayes would be telling the whole team to bring their skates to Beantown Athletics. In fact, you might even see Jimmy in here getting his skate shopping at some point during the season. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. You might see it. Um, The Bruins had a preseason game last night. It was on TV. I did not watch it. I can't get into preseason hockey right now, especially not on a Sunday night in which week two NFL season Fall is in the air. Uh, you know, this morning here in the Boston area, at least, it's there's a little chill in the air. You know, you get 65 degrees. I got a track jacket on. I got shorts on today, but I got a track jacket on over a T-shirt. And um, it does, it gives that fall fall feel in the air, which over the weekend, you know, we got our last beach day, I think, on Saturday. So it was one of those days you go to the beach and you're having a couple beers down the beach, and uh, you don't want to leave. You know, you stay down there a little extra. You get burnt a little bit more. At least I did, because you just don't want to leave. You don't want to just, because the minute that you walk off that beach, you get that feeling like, oh, this is going to be the last time I'm walking off this beach until next June, right? So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a depressing feeling, but when you go back, you see some college football, what, Saturday Notre Dame, they had the, the later afternoon game. It, I mean, they're an underdog in their own building. Come on. I know the backup quarterback's playing, but did you see the throw the kid made at the end of their game last weekend in which he came in? The game went and passed deep down the left side into the end zone? You think I'm going to put my money against him, against Notre Dame in their own building? Come on. I don't care who they're playing in that one, to be honest. Uh, uh, you know, once I saw they were an underdog, you jump all over Notre Dame now, as long as you didn't then take your winnings and put it on Alabama Saturday night, Alabama losing to Ole Miss in a wacky game Saturday night. But uh, I'm not, you know, I don't sit here and I'm not going to break down the college football stuff this early in the season. Mostly when we do talk football this early in the season, this early in the fall, uh, I guess technically you say over the weekend, the end of the summer. But this early in the year, in the football year, it's really NFL stuff. And yesterday was week two, and we're almost finished with week two. Week two almost in the books. We get the Monday night game tonight. The Colts host the Jets on Monday night football. The Colts are a seven-point favorite in Indy. 
this is the fifth and final game of Picks Picks. And if you want to know how I did over the weekend, I went two and two. Picks Picks, I give you five games with the spread in the NFL. Every show, on every Friday, I give you five games with the spread. Um... I went into week two with a four and one record. I got four out of five games right in week one. So a great week. I consider that a great week. I come out of yesterday, out of Sunday, going into my fifth game tonight, the Monday night game, in which I took the Colts minus seven in Indy against the Jets on Monday night football. Um, I go in two and two on the weekend, two and two. So I, t- and I told you to stay away from Patriots bills, right? Because I told you I think the Bills have that one, and I was wrong. And I'll get to Patriots, Bills, and the breakdown of that one in just a few minutes. But first, got to go over every Monday. I begin by going over my picks for the weekend because, you know, I stress them for the entire Friday show, give them to you at the end of Friday show. And then I I, I truly believe that I'm going to get them all right. Now, I didn't. I went 2-2 and yesterday. And the two games that I lost, the Rams... In Washington, I got the Rams at minus four. They lose that game. Rams did not have a good day. The Redskins have to be looking at their division now going, well, wait a minute. Are we maybe the best team in this division? The, the Redskins have to be asking themselves that. Washington needs to be asking themselves, are we the best team in the NFC East? They're one and one after losing week one of Miami. But then you consider that they lost to a Miami team that then loses to Jacksonville yesterday. So how good is Miami, actually? Even though I have Miami going to the playoffs as a wildcard team, uh, the Redskins are looking up, and they only see one team above them, the Dallas Cowboys. Sure, the Cowboys are at 2-0. Cowboys beat the Eagles in Philly yesterday. But the Cowboys, just a huge loss. And really, that's the story of the day, I think, in the NFL is what's going on in Dallas, and more importantly, what's going on now in the NFC East. You know, some people want to get into what's the top story today, of course, outside of picks, picks, and the results. What's the top story? It would be, some people are saying it would be maybe Seattle, and the fact that the Seahawks lose last night on Sunday Night Football in Green Bay, the Packers are 2-0, and the Seahawks are now at 0-2, and the Seahawks are the only team in the NFC West that have no wins I don't think that's the biggest story because the Seahawks, they need to come home and play. And they're now going to get some games in their own building. And, and I, that's where things will turn around for the Seahawks. They're dominant at home. And I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, they, they have some personnel issues. I think they've got some coaching issues, some play calling issues. But I think the Seahawks, once they start getting some games under their belt in their own building, which they certainly are going to, because they begin the season with two road games. They now are home for two against the Bears. Seahawks are against the Bears team next weekend at home. It's a 425 game against Chicago. Cutler's banged up. Cutler left yesterday's game early with the hamstring injury, right? And the Bears got their asses kicked by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so you don't know what's up with Cutler, but even if he does play, do you feel confident that the Bears can go into Seattle and win? Absolutely not. I don't have the spread of this game yet, but I'm telling you right now, it's probably, whatever it is, it's probably my lock of the week, Seattle, over the Bears in Seattle. Okay, the Bears are no good. They lose again. They get their asses kicked uh, by Arizona. So then Seattle will win that. They'll be 1-2, and and then they'll stay home. Right? For a game against the Lions. 
and that, that's going to be in week four. And that game is going to be a Monday night game against Detroit. Now, you could look at Detroit, and you could say, well, you know, they still got Stafford. They got some weapons. Yeah, but you know what? The Lions, they had a chance in week one to beat San Diego when they were up 21-3 to in San Diego, and they lose that game. And then yesterday, you know, the Lions lose to the Vikings. I think the Vikings, the Vikings are going to go to the playoffs, in my opinion. I think the Vikings are going to get a wild card in the NFC. And I actually told you that Detroit and Minnesota would get the two wild cards in the NFC. Minnesota, Adrian Peterson. Oh, look like a retro Adrian Peterson, right? Uh, over 100 yards rushing and even caught a couple balls. Peterson had a big day for Minnesota, and the Vikings beat Detroit, and Detroit's 0-2. So do you feel comfortable that Detroit could go into Seattle and win? No, Seattle can turn this thing around, and all of a sudden they're 2-2 going into Week 5. And I think that's what's going to happen. So to me, that's not really the biggest story, what happened to Seattle last night. Green Bay is 2-0. You know, I, I expected that to be the case when Green Bay opens their season uh, against the Bears and against the Seahawks, right? Right? At Chicago and at, at home against the Seahawks. Green Bay, I mean, I expected them to be 2-0. Now, Eddie Lacy left that game. We'll see what that injury is. They already Packers already lost Jordy Nelson. They're saying the x-rays on Eddie Lacy's ankle were negative. We'll see where that goes. But they got Aaron Rodgers. And in this league, if you have a quarterback that's an elite quarterback, you're going to be okay. So that's why I go back to Dallas. This is the biggest story for them. This is the biggest story in the league. This is the biggest story for me. This is the biggest story in the National Football League. Is what is going on with the Dallas Cowboys. They lose Tony Romo in this game yesterday. They still hold on and win against the Eagles in Philly. And Romo is now going to be out 8 to 10 weeks. Tony Romo, a fractured clavicle. He cannot practice now for 6 weeks. They're going to put him on an injured reserve designated for assignment, which means, you know, I think he can't play until maybe week 8, week 9, but he can't practice till week 6. And I'm not sure it's something they're going to rush because I think that Dallas, even though they're without Des Bryant, even though they're now without Tony Romo, and even though DeMarco Murray was playing on the other team yesterday, I still think that the Cowboys are going to be able to win some games to stay atop the NFC East. Um, but but when, you're, when you lose a guy like Romo, I think the Dallas Cowboys situation is the top story in the NFL. It is. What's going to happen with Dallas? They're 2-0. Um, if you look at their schedule here, they now are at home next week against the Falcons. You know, I, I don't. The Falcons just beat the Giants, but I don't look at the Falcons and think that that's such a scary team, especially when they're playing on the road. I just don't see it. Um, and then the Cowboys go to the Saints. Then they play the Patriots. I, I have a lot of friends who are going to that game, it, right? Patriots, Cowboys, and and they're not going to see Romo. They're not going to see Des Bryant. Um, who are they going to see in that one? They're, they're probably going to see the Patriots roll on the Cowboys now. Now, originally, I told the Patriots were going to maybe lose to the Cowboys. Just being realistic, thinking, hey, I think Patriots are going to win the AFC East. But they're going to lose. And I think I actually predicted the Patriots to beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. But I told you that the Patriots might lose a couple along the way. And they did. And one of them was yesterday in Buffalo. Now, the Patriots did not lose that yesterday in Buffalo. They beat 
the Bills, 40-32. to 32. And I'll, I'll break down that game a little bit more in just a few seconds because it is the local team. It is the team that, uh, you know, I'm sitting there rooting for all day because you got some things going on. I mean, I get the red zone, but I also have the Patriots. But when the Patriots are playing, you know, you get some, some of the boys come over, you know, some buddies come over, and we're watching the Pats. And, look, i got to preface it by saying, listen, guys, I'm not doing red zone while the Patriots are on. Now, we end up doing red zone during commercial breaks, right? Because everyone's got their fantasy teams. Uh, but also, I'm just interested in what's going on in the rest of the league. And, you know, if you got some action, right? If you got some action, you want to know what's going on. So, there is some red zone coverage during commercial breaks. And it did seem like yesterday's Patriots-Bills game had more commercial breaks than any football game I've ever seen in my life. Was that, is that right? Is that true? I don't know. It just did. It felt like that. It just was the longest game and maybe it's because I checked out, but I'll get to Patriots' bills in a few minutes. Either way, you know, the Cowboys and their schedule and the way it looks moving forward at home against the Falcons, at New Orleans against the Saints, and then at home against the Patriots, I think it's realistic to think that the Cowboys are going to have a shot to win the two games leading up to their game against the Patriots. I do. And then after the Patriots, they go to New York against the Giants. Uh, the Giants don't scare me. You know, to the point where I say that's an automatic win for New York. Uh, the game against Seattle, right? In Dallas against the Seahawks, but maybe I, I think I could see the Seahawks coming into Dallas and winning that one. But who knows when Romo is going to be back? I think this is. Uh, I don't think they'll rush him. I really don't think they're going to rush Romo back. But at the same time, uh, you know, we'll have to see what's going what's going to happen here with. with Brandon Whedon. Whedon's going to be the guy. And, and you're going to get all the analysts and the experts on ESPN who are going to think outside the box and talk about who the Cowboys could bring in. I don't think they bring in anybody. I think Brandon Whedon, they look at him, they say, look, he was a first-round pick. He was taken 22nd overall by the Cleveland Browns in the 2012 draft. That, that's not that long ago. This is his fourth season. Okay, spent two years in Cleveland spent, and is now in his second year in Dallas. Had to come in. He played five games last year. Wasn't great, but I don't think he was terrible. And yesterday, he comes into this game, 7 for 7, 73 yards, one touchdown, uh, no interceptions. That's all you're asking. You're saying, don't make mistakes. We got an, a good offensive line here. You know, you got some receivers that can do some things after the catch. And we got a defense that we think can hold the fort uh, to be good enough to give you a chance to win if, we, if Brandon Whedon, if you're not making any mistakes. You know? And while I sit here and say the Cowboys, that's the biggest story because the elite quarterback in Tony Romo is out for maybe eight to ten weeks, and really, who knows, right? And same thing with Des Bryant. They said first they said six weeks, four to six. Then they said eight to twelve. Now we're here in ten. I, nobody really knows. You know, we might not see Romo and Des Bryant again in a game until week twelve. We might not. And so that's the biggest story. You lose guys like that. You're a team that has a chance, in my opinion, to get to the Super Bowl. And who knows, depending on who they're playing, maybe win it. Because you look at what happened with Dallas last year. I, I'm, I'm very high on the Cowboys this season before these injuries. I was. If you listen to the show, you know I was. And part of the reason was the way I saw the Cowboys lose last season. As weird as this is to say, it was almost... It was still sort of an upgrade as to what the Cowboys had been doing in postseasons past. Not because they, not because they lost, but because of the way they lost. You know, Tony Romo didn't lose that for them last year. It was an awful, 
Just a bad luck play with Des Bryant against Green Bay down the left sideline. They didn't call it a catch, right? Just, just some bad luck. But in the past, we were used to Tony Romo doing something stupid, making a dumb throw, making a terrible decision when the the whole team, right, is is trying to just jump on Tony Romo's back and say, "Take us to the big dance, take us to the big game, please, take us to the promised land." And Romo hadn't been able to do that. But I I think that I I look at Romo, I look at his game, and this is before the injury yesterday, and I say to myself, I think he's ready. I think he's ready. But now the injury. You know, you lose that. You don't bring back DeMarco Murray at first. But I still, I think with their offensive line, I think they can toss some people in and they're going to have success. You need the elite quarterback more than the elite running back in this league. It's a fact. It's a fact. Just ask the Houston Texans. Ask the Texans what you need more. Okay? They've had an elite running back. Now, I know he's hurt right now. But Foster, they've had him. They just haven't had the quarterback to go with him. And I got news for Texans fans. Even though Foster's out right now, if they had an elite quarterback, they would have won that game yesterday against Carolina. But they don't. Instead, Mallett runs in a touchdown. He's stealing Cam Newton's celebration. Come on. You can't fucking do that right now. Okay? You haven't done shit in this league. Save the celebrations for when you start doing shit. Okay? Win a game. Go out and win me a game. And then you can celebrate. Then you can steal other, other quarterbacks who, by the way, you know, a quarter, quarterbacks who have been to the playoffs, who have won big games, you, you can't steal their celebrations, all right? Texans are now 0-2. But ask them, what do you need? You need a running back or you need an elite quarterback? You need an elite quarterback in this league. Cowboys had one. They lose him now. Um, who knows how long he's going to be out. It's going to be a while. The question is, can Brandon Whedon hold down the fort and not make the mistakes to keep Dallas alive and afloat in a division that is that they're capable of staying afloat in. I think so. Not scared of the Redskins, not scared of the Giants, and if you're scared of the Eagles, then you are you are sipping the Kool-Aid and you you know, you shouldn't be driving, okay? Because that because right now, if you're looking at this Philly team and you're thinking that Sam Bradford is going to lead them anywhere, you're nuts. I mean, I don't even think Chip Kelly can lead them anywhere. I don't. It just based on the personnel decisions that the organization has made in, in the last two years. I mean, I've said this going into the season. The Eagles' best quarterback is on the sideline. We're in a headset. Sam Bradford, how do you buy into him? I don't, What has he done in this league? One, he hasn't stayed healthy. Two, when he is healthy, he's not, he's not an elite quarterback. And, you know, really the best quarterback they had, they traded. And they sent to St. Louis. And Foles and St. Louis last year today. Maybe that brings me back to my picks. I got sidetracked there. But there's just so much going on in the league. And a lot of these games that I just mentioned, a couple of them did factor into my picks. I got that Rams game wrong. Uh, the Redskins beat the Rams. You know, I, I just, I saw what the Rams did in week one. And, and maybe I was sipping on the Rams Kool-Aid. They go into Washington. They lose that game yesterday. The Rams are a four-point favorite on the road. Eh, maybe I got greedy with the Rams' success, okay? Maybe I did. But I'm, I'm not wrong about Foles and, uh, and Sam Bradford. If I'm an Eagles fan, I would rather have Foles than Bradford. I would. Nice. I'm not saying this because the Eagles are sitting there at 0-2 and Bradford looks terrible and he, he looks like a kicker the way he wears his, his uniform and his shoulder pads and his helmet. He does. Bradford looks like a kicker. <laughs> if he was just standing on the sideline, 
you'd say to yourself, who's that, the kicker? I'm not just saying it because of that, because of the look, or because of how Eagles look after two games. I said it going into the season. I said it going into the Monday night game last week. I told you to take Atlanta plus three, and people told me I was nuts. I said, I, I'm nuts. You're nuts for believing that Chip Kelly is going to get rid of Jackson, Macklin, McCoy in the last two years, and all of a sudden, he's going to put a better football product on the team, on the field? That doesn't make any sense to me. Chip Kelly goes into the room, and he immediately believes he's the smartest person in the room. That's the biggest problem. Second biggest problem is that they, the Eagles don't have a quarterback. All right? And a combination of the two things is, you know, go, maybe go, just go back to the coach. The play calling for Philly is mind-boggling. Do you watch? Please, watch the Eagles, and maybe they fix it. But to begin, when they have things going right, they get away from them right away. They just get away. You know, the dump-offs, the check-downs. Um, th- why would you get away from that? You know, the little short passes over the middle. Why all of a sudden are you then having success with that and you start putting Bradford in shotgun and throwing deep bombs? That's not going to work. Like, what are you doing? How can you not see this? It drives me crazy. You could have a 17-year-old kid playing Madden that wouldn't try to go deep in video games. Like, they'd keep going back to the, to the checkdowns and the dump-offs and the short plays, right? And the screen passes. Like, wh- gaining yards, moving the chains, all of a sudden you're going to start going deep. I don't know what Philly's doing, but they're no good. And perhaps the biggest quarterback, even with Romo going down, and I told you Dallas is the biggest story because of that in the league uh, here on this Monday morning, but I, perhaps you could look at the NFC East and say, What's the biggest quarterback issue in the division? And I think you could probably say it's Phillies, right? Just based on what Dallas is going to do here for for Brandon Whedon. I mean, what what they're going to do for him, I think, is going to be good enough. They they have a – look, the Cowboys have a very talented team. And I I don't want to take anything away from what Romo does because, look, they're going to ultimately need Romo back to win a championship or at least have a shot, right? But just to stay afloat and to stay atop that division in a divisional battle for first place until they maybe can get Romo back or Des Bryant back, I I, I think that they're going to put, they have enough talent on that Cowboys team to put Brandon Whedon in a position to have some success. Or at least in a position where he doesn't, he won't make the mistakes like you saw yesterday from a Sam Bradford or an Eagles offensive line, which looked terrible, right? Safe to say, Cowboys have a much better offensive line than the Eagles. It's it's not even an opinion, it's a fact. All right? And, you know, I, I, I look at Philly, I say, they have maybe the biggest quarterback issue in their division, even with Romo going down. All right? So, Foles, their old quarterback, is playing for St. Louis. And maybe I got greedy with that pick, with the Rams, minus four, in Washington. They lost, that was my first loss of the day. Uh, then I had the Arizona Cardinals, though, in Chicago on the 1 o'clocks. Cardinals, one-and-a-half-point favorite. I jumped all over this. I, I wanted to tell you it was my lock of the week, and I probably should have. I didn't. I forgot. I just forgot to use that phrase, but in my head and in my heart, it was. All right? Cardinals, they go into Chicago. The, even if Cutler didn't get hurt in that game yesterday, Three touchdowns to Larry Fitz. I had people shitting on me when I drafted Larry Fitz in my fantasy league. And I'm going, they're like, oh, he's old, he's washed up. What are you talking about? Are we, uh, 
Because that's where that's where it gets crazy. That's where fantasy football, you know, the blinders go on for people or they get delusional because they're looking at fantasy numbers and that's all they can think about going into the NFL season. And they get caught up and wrapped up in that so much that they don't actually see the reality of the situation in Larry Fitzgerald's career, which is that he actually is not in decline. And in fact, he's only going to get better this season because he has a quarterback in Carson Palmer that's, fi- that's going to be back and be healthy, at least for the beginning of the season. And what it looks like right now with Carson Palmer and the Arizona Cardinals, 2-0, and the Palmer-Larry Fitz connection is looking pretty devastating. Um, and you look at that NFC West, and you're thinking, wow, Arizona, I mean, they might be onto something here, right? You might be, you might be onto something with the Arizona Cardinals in this division. Uh, I did tell you Seattle's going to get back to 2-2. Two and two. But now Arizona, they're home against San Francisco, and I'm going to take Arizona in that one. Arizona's going to be 3-0. And they play the Rams in Arizona. And I think they're going to win that one. They're going to be 4-0. They go to Detroit. I think Arizona could win that. They could be 5-0. They go to Pittsburgh. That's, that, might be one, that might be a tough one for them. Uh, they might lose to the Steelers. And then Ravens. Oh, wow. Ravens. But let me, should I get to the Ravens right now? Ravens are my other pick that I got lost. That I lost. The two that I lost yesterday, my picks, one was the Rams minus four. The other was the Ravens minus six and a half. I got the Cardinals right. Um, they crushed. Chicago, Arizona crush Chicago, and, you know, Arizona will play the Ravens in their, what, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh game of the season. Who knows what the Ravens are going to be, but if they're going to be anything, they need to improve that defense because Baltimore, you know, Ray Lewis isn't walking through that door, okay? Ed Reed isn't walking through that door, and, in fact, Terrell Suggs, who's out for the season, isn't walking through that door. So they need to figure it out, and they need to figure it out quick because yesterday in Oakland, the Raiders – well, all of, they just, the Ravens, Baltimore could not stop Derek Carr for, for their, I mean, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. It was embarrassing. And if you're like me and you had, see, I took Ravens, I got them at six and a half. It ended up going down to, I think, five, right? And, you know, this was sort of back and forth, back and forth. If Flacco had some big plays. Uh, the Ravens were moving the chains, but then they couldn't stop the Raiders. They couldn't stop Oakland after, after they would move the chains and score. Finally, you get this game late. It's tied 30-30. to Baltimore gets the ball back after an interception, I believe, late, I think with like four minutes left. And they're down in the red zone. Steve Smith, wide open in the right side of the end zone. And Flacco does this little, throws this little floater up. You know, he gets, Flacco loves just, this is why I've never bought into the Joe Flacco hype. Because it, this is what he does. He throws it up and asks his receiver to go get it. It's a lot. Now, there'll be times when he'll make some big throws, but I feel like most of the time, Flacco's big plays are just floaters, and he's asking his receiver to make a phenomenal play. Now, when they won a Super Bowl, Anquan Bolden was the guy that was going up and getting them. And that playoff run that Baltimore had where they won the Super Bowl, they beat the 49ers a couple years ago, Anquan Bolden, I mean, look, in this league, the quarterback's going to get MVP over the receiver most of the time. Receiver will have to, has to do something phenomenal outside of just making a couple catches and scoring a couple touchdowns because those catches are coming from the quarterback. And most of the time, the quarterback's going to get 
the pat in the back for those things. If there was ever a time in which the receiver should have got MVP, it should have been Anquan Bolden when the Ravens won that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And I'm not just talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about in the playoff games against the Colts, against the Patriots that year for Baltimore. The, the catches that Anquan Bolden made on passes up the seam in which Flacco just threw it up the middle of the field, Bolden came down with him. Some of the best catches I've ever seen in big spots. And, and no, you know, he doesn't have Bolden. Yeah, he has Steve Smith, and Smith pulled down a couple. They, they, Flacco's receivers, again, pulled down some unbelievable catches yesterday. But that's what Flacco does. And when this game was tied 30-30 to in late in this game, four minutes left in the fourth quarter in Oakland, Flacco's got a chance on third down. Put it in the end zone. You're in the red zone. Put it in the end zone. You got Steve Smith wide open right side of the end zone. Instead of just firing it into him, Flacco throws up this floater. That, and if I'm a Ravens fan, this would drive me insane. And that's why, look, you've got to appreciate what Tom Brady... Tom Brady would never float the ball up like that, okay? That's the difference here. Tom Brady never in a million years on that pass with Steve Smith... Look, Flacco knew what the route was. He should be leading Steve Smith with that pass, knowing that nobody's covering the sideline. Wide open. He floats it up. Like, what are you doing? Steve Smith's waiting, waiting. He has to jump into the air and make a play and try to get two feet down. He only gets one down. It would have been a, it was an impossible catch to make to get your feet in at the same time. He couldn't get both feet in. Incomplete pass. Ravens settle for a field goal. They take a lead. That doesn't cover, obviously, even if you gut it at five and not six and a half like I did. Doesn't cover. You know, so... Really, what I was hoping for was the Raiders to come down, and, and I was hoping that they would come down and kick a field goal and tie it and send it to overtime, and Baltimore gets a touchdown to win. Uh, but that didn't happen. Oakland came down, and, and this was just perfect. It was perfect not for the people that took, took, took the Ravens as a favorite in Oakland like I did. It was perfect for the game and what was actually happening. The story of that game was that the Baltimore Ravens defense was so piss poor it's it it's not it wasn't even funny it just wasn't even funny how bad the Ravens defense was in that game and uh Baltimore loses and Baltimore now 0 and 2 to begin the season but that was my loss, that's, you know, the day I, I lost with the Rams minus four. I ended up winning with the Cardinals minus one and a half. And then I lost with the Ravens, so I'm sitting there one and two. And I'm looking at the Cowboys game, which was the other game I picked. Cowboys, I got them at plus five and a half in Philly. It ended up going to seven, right? At Cowboys, you could have got them right, at, right before kickoff at, at, as a seven-point dog in that one. And uh, the Cowboys end up winning. Even when they lose Romo, they hold on to get the W. And mostly in part that the Eagles are just no good. I, don't buy, I told you going into the season. I don't buy into it. I can't. You can't lose that type of talent, throw Sam Bradford on the center, and convince me because the Chip Kelly offense is going to run this certain way that that's going to be a game changer for you. It's not. I, I don't buy into it. I'm not drinking the Chip Kelly Kool-Aid. In fact, going into the season, I told you Chip Kelly will be will be coaching a college team in the next two years. Because I don't think this is going to work. He's trying to reinvent the wheel. 
Here's my advice, Chip Kelly. When you try to reinvent the wheel, make sure you do it with the quarterback that has had success in this league. Okay? <laughs> and, and you don't have that. So, I, I don't care what you do with personnel or game plan. You don't have the quarterback, you're not going to win. Philly, they don't have the quarterback. I don't think they have the right coaching. I don't think they have the right game plan. And when it looks like they have the right game plan, they get away from it. So, 2-2. Two and two. Got the Cowboys right. I got the Cardinals right. And I lost with the Rams and the Ravens. And tonight is my fifth pick of the weekend. Colts minus 7 at home in Indy against the Jets. I know we hate on the Colts here in New England. And I'm not going to be sitting there rooting for Indy. I, I, I promise you I won't. I won't be rooting for Indy. Uh... You know, I'll, I'll be rooting for – I won't be rooting for the Jets either, though. I'm neutral tonight. I'm, I'm watching this as a football game. we got a football game on tonight, right? There'll be some baseball on tonight, too. And postseason baseball is in the air. And I'll do some baseball tomorrow. It's a football Monday. I'll get to some baseball tomorrow. And, and this baseball stuff I get to tomorrow, man, you watch that Yankee Mets last night, a little bit of it, or at least see what was going on. I'll tell you this, and I'll get into it tomorrow a little bit more. The Matt Harvey plan is not working out for the Mets. Now, I think they'll still get to the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see what they do when they get to the playoffs, but the Matt Harvey plan is not working right now for the Mets. And, uh, oh, quick note, Rich Hill. Rich Hill, Boston Red Sox starter, starting pitcher. He was on this show Friday, and he gave his story of how he became a starter once again after being a reliever for so long. And after actually beginning his career as a starter, gave his story, talked about some other things, the pitch clock in baseball, the outfield that he has behind him with the Red Sox, Bradley Jr., Betts, and Castillo, right? He had some strong comments for those guys, which is great to hear. But Rich Hill joined me on Friday. He made his second start with the Red Sox on Sunday, yesterday, uh, against the Blue Jays, a Toronto team that is trying to hold on to the top spot in the division. The Yankees right up their ass. Rich Hill, second straight start, 10 strikeouts, 10 strikeouts again. So go back to Friday's podcast and listen to Rich Hill. Uh, He was great telling a story about how he became a starter again, but great to see him having some success at the major league level Uh, once again. And and this type of success as a starter, 10 strikeouts, two straight games. Wow. Impressive. I believe he's now in the, he now can put himself in the, in a same sentence, Red Sox sentence as Pedro Martinez. All right. With that type of stuff. Now, I know. Look, I get it. Rich Hill, Pedro Martinez, it's not. I mean, Rich Hill would tell you it's not even. It's not the same level, obviously. I mean, this season with the Red Sox, Joe Kelly had done some things to put himself in the same conversation as Pedro Martinez. I don't even know that I want to use that as a knock on, on guys like Rich Hill or Joe Kelly. I, I just don't want to. I, I want to give Pedro the right amount of credit that Pedro, in my opinion, is the greatest pitcher of all time. So, I don't want to make it sound like any of the other guys that might be in the same sentence with regards to a certain stat, like 10 strikeouts, uh, two straight games. You know, I don't want to compare the actual play. I just compare the actual number and the stat. But anyways, good to see Rich Hill doing his thing yesterday for the Red Sox, and he joined me on Friday's podcast. So make sure you go back and check that out. Um, And like I said, every Friday I give you picks picks, and I was 2-2. and Last Friday when I gave them to you. So on the season now, I am 6-3. and three. Soon to be 7-3 and three because I do think the Colts tonight are going to win. And I think they're going to win by more than 7 points. I think they're going to roll on the Jets in Indy Monday night football. 
a game that I told you to stay away from, all right, was the Patriots and the Bills. And, again, as I told you, this is the game. I watch, I'm going to watch the Patriots, right? I'm going to watch the Pats. I'm not going to watch Red Zone. In a couple commercial breaks, we go to it, but that's it. I'm mostly, like, I'm not switching during the Pats game. If the Pats weren't playing, I most likely would watch all of the Red Zone because they do a nice job giving you everything, but uh, not when the Pats are on. I don't do Red Zone during the Pats game unless it's a couple commercials here, and I, I might switch it for a few seconds. But I told you to stay away from this one because I think it ended up being even, right? It ended up being a pick em. On Friday, I believe the Patriots are one-and-a-half-point favorites in Buffalo. Well, the Bills talking shit, kind of. The fans definitely were. Um, you know, they, they there was some players that said some things to the Bills, bulletin board material. I, I listened to Rex Ryan. I didn't think it was anything crazy. In fact, I heard a... And, and maybe people here in New England, they want to block this stuff out, but I heard Rex Ryan throwing some verbal bouquets at Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. A lot going into this game. A lot. So I don't, I don't know that it was anything crazy with the trash talking. At least I didn't see it that way. I, I really didn't. But either way, if there was trash talking, and I guess some people might want to take it as that. I don't think it was. But someone like myself, you got a lot of people, not just me, but you get some analysts. You got some former players, host, radio hosts, TV host, personalities, TV hosts. A lot of people picking the bills in this one. I picked the bills before the season began. And, and, you know, I had people texting me yesterday saying, oh, you bet against the Pats, you fucking loser. Like, what are you doing? Uh, you're a mush, this and that. I'm going, wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait, wait. See, this is what happens. You get a form, you get a voice, you get a place to make your picks, and you know that a lot of people listen to them. Uh, when you do get something wrong, like, the target will be on your back. Like, people will waste no time and texting you to let you know that you were wrong, right? Because, but when you get it right, nobody says shit. Uh, Put it this way. I am usually, because I had people, some people tell me, when are people going to learn, like, they're going to blow out the bills? I say, see, this game wasn't a, when are people going to learn? That moment, that's not... The moment when you say, when are people going to learn? I go back to last season when the Patriots got crushed by the Chiefs. If you actually wanted to look at those games and see why the Patriots, the first four weeks of last season, were struggling, it was because of their offensive line. And, and you go into that week five game or that next game against the Bengals when you return home in Sunday Night Football, that's a when are you going to learn game, Right. And that's what I was saying. When are people going to learn that, you know, when people came to me after the Chiefs game last year and said, oh, Patriots got their ass kicked on Monday Night Football. These aren't the Patriots that we know. That's what they said to me. And I said, well, wait a minute. And I said this on my podcast. I said that to people in person. I said that on the radio. I said, well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. You're going to tell me this isn't the Patriots that you know? What I'm going to tell you is the Patriots I know are going to get their asses kicked in Kansas City on Monday Night Football. Are going to hear guys like Trent Dilfer say that the Patriots just aren't any good anymore. Which isn't true, by the way. I mean, that just wasn't true. And I know people said that was ridiculous after the fact, once the Patriots started steamrolling teams, beginning with the Bengals. 
But it's it wasn't true because if you actually watched why the Patriots were losing those games, they were they were losing those games because there were things that were were fixable, that were correctable. And the biggest thing was their offensive line. I just I, I you know, I screamed that at the top of my lungs on every show that I was on. That can be fixed. And I think the Patriots will fix that. Right? Or at least I have the confidence in them that they will. So I was saying, no, 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 no. The Cincinnati game is going to be a, when will people learn? The Patriots are going to roll on the Bengals on Sunday Night Football. And they did. And that was a when, you could, that's when you can use going into that game, when are people going to learn here? Okay? To not throw in the towel on the Patriots that early in the season. That was a when are you going to learn moment. If you pick the Bills to win this game yesterday over the Patriots in Buffalo, week two, Against, you know, a Bills team that embarrassed the Indianapolis Colts in week one. A Bills team that's much improved on defense. Right? Sure, you might not buy into Tyrod Taylor. I know I don't. Though I will say this. He made a couple big plays late in that game. Some big passes on the money. That one to Sammy Watkins. I mean, uh, that touchdown. He made some big plays in the pocket. When he's not, you know, set on running around. And the, even a couple of the interceptions hitting off his guy's hands, you know, I, I, when it hits off a receiver's hands and it's intercepted, I don't know that I sit there and put that on the QB. Um, you know, every interception is different, so you got to break them down one by one. But for the most part, when it hits a receiver's hands and then floats up and gets picked off, I don't sit here and, and blame the quarterback for that. Uh, but Taylor, I, you know, I look at him. I wasn't sold on him. I'm still not sold on him, but I will say I leave that game yesterday a little bit more impressed than I thought I was going to be, right? I, I do, I, because he did make some big plays and some big throws with his arm on the money in big spots to, to lead that team back to a point where, you know, they trailed this game 37-32 to 32 with about three and a half, four minutes left. It's impressive uh, because I at one point checked out. I checked out. I'm not going to lie to you. Patriots are up 34-13. I started to check out of this one. Like, all of a sudden, the things that I just told you that I usually don't do during Patriots games, I was doing. Like, watching Red Zone (laughs) during the game, right? Like, watching the Red Zone. But, you know, you look at this game playing out, at least some like myself, I sort of checked out. I thought, oh, Patriots, this is it. They win this. Now, they ended up winning 40-32. to Um, But going in, I thought the Bills, I thought they were going to win. You know, they were an improved team all around. Had nothing to do with Rex Ryan, to be honest with you. Improved team. I saw what they did in week one. It's a tough place to play. Patriots are working out the kinks. And I let the matchup that was going to be the difference maker, which it's funny. It ends up being the difference maker just the other way around. The complete opposite way that I had imagined it to be. That I had anticipated or that I had predicted it to go. Uh, the, the matchup. The mismatch that I thought was going to be the difference maker was at the line of scrimmage. When the Patriots had the ball and the Bills were going to get in Brady's face. Instead, it was the complete opposite. The Patriots' inexperienced interior offensive line did a tremendous job. Once again, David Andrews, undrafted rookie center. Shaq Mason. Trey Jackson. Now, I believe it was Jackson and Josh Klein might have mixed the match there at one of the God spots. But for the most part, you still had that, you know, inexperienced group playing together in the middle of that offensive line. In Buffalo, it's loud. I mean, that first Patriots possession, 
Oh, man. I mean, that was scary. I was I was scared. I Patriots didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to line up. They were they did they couldn't hear the play. They I don't know what was going on. The Patriots didn't know what was going on. And they were trailing seven nothing. Because the Bills drove it downfield, mostly in part with their running. Quarterback ran. McCoy ran. Um Williams ran. Carlos Williams ran it. I mean, they ran the football. And it's something the Bills got away from that after that first drive, and I do not know why. I do not know why. But they did, and um, you know it's seven nothing. You get your first possession, place as loud as it could ever be, and you know you go three and out. And, you, and I'm thinking to myself, uh oh, this isn't good. I mean, I was ho- I was sitting there watching this game, obviously hoping that I was wrong, that I picked the Bills, hoping that I was wrong, right? Um, and I was wrong, but I, but the reasons that I was wrong, I never would have imagined that would be the reason I was wrong. Like, I never would, and, and it's because of the difference of the game. The difference in this game yesterday in Buffalo was that the Patriots' offensive line did a phenomenal job against this Bills front four. Uh, a front four that I thought was going to be hungry, that I thought was going to get after Tom Brady, and I thought that when this thing was all said and done yesterday in Buffalo, regardless of the result, I thought the Bills would have at least five or six sacks. They only had two. And in fact, the difference in this game came the complete opposite with the Patriots getting to Tyrod Taylor. Patriots had eight sacks in this game for a total loss of 53 yards. Eight sacks. Hightower, Collins. Uh, Collins at two, two and a half. Chandler Jones, three sacks. Ninkovich with a sack. Allen Branch with a sack. Uh, eight sacks for the Patriots. All right? And the Bills, only with two. It was a difference in the game. I told you that the line of scrimmage would be a difference, but on the other side, that the Bills would be getting to Brady. And it didn't happen. you got to give credit where credit's due. And I gave it after the Pittsburgh game, but I thought this would be a bad matchup, a tougher matchup than Pittsburgh's front, and that the Patriots still had some kinks to be worked out, and that maybe the inexperience in the interior of that Patriots offensive line, they would be, they could be exposed in that one, you know? I don't think it was a. I don't think this was a. When are people gonna learn? I, I, that's that didn't make sense when people said that to me, because I would look at it and say, "Well, wait, wait a second, wait a second. If the Patriots come out and lose to Buffalo in Week Two, okay, um, you know, then you would have people crowning the Bills, right? And I would never do that. If the Patriots lost to the Bills yesterday, I would not be sitting there today crowning the Bills, saying they're the best team in the division. I wouldn't. There would be people that would do it, but I wouldn't. And what you then get is, then if that happened and people did that, then you start to get into, well, wait a minute. When are people going to learn? Like, the Patriots are still the best team in the division, okay? That, I told you, the Patriots are still going to win the Super Bowl. So if everybody that's texting me or messaging me and saying, Danny, oh, you got it wrong, I got it wrong. I'm admitting that. I'm all right with it. I'm okay. I, that's fine. In fact, I'm glad I got it wrong. Right? I'm glad I got it wrong. But you got to understand, you can't just see that I picked the Bills and not listen to everything else that I say. Okay? And that's what I think happens sometimes. And the Patriots proved me wrong. They won. And, uh, yeah, look, even if the Bills, even if the Bills won this game, I wouldn't be able to sit here and take credit for that. Because they would have won it in a completely different fashion than I would have ever expected. They would have come back and won this game, and they would not. That I would never have expected that they 
could have won, like, you know, 39 to 37. Like, I never would have expected that. Never. So, Patriots win 40-32. Tom Brady, fantastic. 38 of 59. 466 yards. Three touchdowns. No interceptions. Again, I think the story was he was only sacked two times. You know, the the amount of the time that he had in the pocket, the, the protection that you're giving him against that front four in their loud building, as Edelman was doing, he was putting his hand down. He's going, sit down. Sit the fuck down and shut up. And that's exactly what happened. Patriots shut up the Bills. Bills came roaring back late, but it was too little too late. Right? Too little too late. Now, I wish the Patriots had... Maybe even a little bit smarter with their fourth and ones. They went for it twice. Oh, thank God they didn't go for for a third time. Like when they got it down after that Amendola catch, which was huge, which I think the Amendola catch, catch of the year so far, down inside the Buffalo 20, led to the field goal that put the Patriots up 40-32. to 32. And, you know, it's fourth and one. And I'm glad they did not go for it for the third time. They had went for fourth and one, went for it twice previously around midfield. And I'm sitting there thinking both times it was a mistake. I said it before. I said, and people say, well, you know, they'd be playing, they'd be playing conservative. They'd be playing it too safe. Um, I don't think too safe or conservative is the word I was looking for. I was looking for smart. <laughs> I was just looking for smart clock management in Buffalo with that type of lead. I just was. I don't think that was conservative or, or safe. I'm going to use the word smart. That's what it would have been, to not go for it on fourth and one. All right? In those two times. Uh, I'm, it was smart to not do it the third time. You kick the field goal, you take the points, you go up, you go by, by eight. Right? You go up by eight. Please. It was a no-brainer. So, yeah, there were some things with the Patriots play, Colin, I was concerned about. Especially since, again, when the Patriots were up 34-13, kind of checked out of that game. And you see Buffalo come roaring back. I don't know. Maybe Patriots checked out too. Maybe it's that type of human nature like, all right, we're up so much in your head. It's human nature to to let to, to give a little letdown when you're up and you're you know, stomping on a team like that that much. I, I can understand that. But uh, I also think maybe some of the play calling was a little crazy in this game when the Patriots had a lead, right? I'm just looking for a little bit smarter play call. That's all. That's it. Patriots win, though. I can't complain too much about it. Tom Brady on the season. They're checking the footballs, right? Right? <laughs> they're checking the footballs? Oh, they're checking the footballs, and I hope they check the footballs, and I hope everybody in the fucking league acknowledges that Tom Brady is using a regular PSI football. It's, it's a, people, people that think... That that changed anything, the PSI in a football for a quarterback, that 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 somehow was the reason Tom Brady is a great quarterback. These people, are, anybody who actually goes to bed thinking that, are pathetic human beings. They're pathetic. You're pathetic, and you're stupid. You're stupid and pathetic. That's what you are. It's just dumb. Tom Brady, and just to remind the these stupid pathetic people. That believe Tom Brady's great because of the PSI in a football. Um, I just want to remind these people that they are actually checking the footballs this year. So, you can't use that as an excuse. Tom Brady in the first two games of the season, 754 yards in the year, 
seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. Zero. I'm going to say this right now. Look at Tom Brady. You know how I feel about Tom Brady. Greatest of all time. All right. How many more times do I have to tell you that? But we need, once again, as I mentioned, the difference in this game, the two lines here, Patriots offensive line, right, and the Patriots defensive line, that was the difference. Patriots O-line, though, has been phenomenal, and I never would have expected it to be that way. Storks out. Dan Conley retires. You got uh, Wendell injured. I mean, this is like, what I never would have expected this. I expected there to be some um, mismatches. Some exposure. Brady having a game. I thought yesterday Brady would be on his ass like six, seven, eight times. Instead, it was the other way around. So credit with you got we gotta get some high praise going for these guys. For this offensive line for this Patriots team. And really, none more than the center, David Andrews. Undrafted rookie, free agent out of Georgia. Steps in. You ask him to, to touch the ball the same amount of times as Tom Brady. And he's getting the job done. And then some. It, it's, ama- it's an amazing performance from the guys up front. And, uh, you know, I, I, we don't. it's not sexy to sit here and give credit to offensive linemen. Right? But when we, you go back to the first four games of last season, and you saw that being the biggest issue, and you saw how crazy things were with the Patriots where people were sitting there after the Kansas City game going, they're just not any good anymore. Well, that's not true. There are some things that they need to work out. There are some things that they need to fix. Those things are fixable. Not only did they fix them last year, but they come into this season with the same type of issues in the offensive line, and guess what they do? It's like they don't, they, there have been no issues. Bill Belichick even said, he said, you know, the two sacks that, that we had, that they had on us, he said, quote, I don't think either sack had anything to do with the offensive line. Just, right? And so, we got we to gotta praise the Patriots' offensive line. Uh, I'm not taking away from Tom Brady, obviously. I just told you. Greatest of all time. And the numbers he's putting up this season are going to be insane. And next weekend, against Jacksonville, at home. <laughs> now I look at the schedule, I'm like, well, when are the Patriots going to lose? They're 14-point favorites against Jacksonville next Sunday at 1 o'clock at Gillette. They're going to roll on the Jaguars. I don't care what the Jaguars did to the Dolphins. Um, Jaguars beat the Dolphins, and they kicked the field goal late. All right. But come on. Uh, Jacksonville going to come into Gillette and do anything against the Patriots? Bortles, I'll give him – look, he's a big arm. I think they have high hopes for him. He was a high draft pick, but – you know, and, and maybe his big arm could, could expose the Patriots' secondary a little bit. Maybe. But I, I just, I don't see that happening. If there's going to be anybody that was going to expose the Patriots' secondary, I was going to the Patriots' following game in Dallas after the bye week with Romo. But now we know it's no Romo. The way they're going to handle Whedon is just put him in position to not make mistakes. At, now, I had the Patriots losing to Dallas. I don't think they're going to lose to Dallas now. They're not going to lose to Jacksonville. So they're going to go by week as a 3-0 team, the Patriots. They're going to go week five, beat Dallas in Dallas, be 4-0. They're going to go to Indy on Sunday night in week six. And if you think that the Colts are going to come anywhere close to beating the Patriots, you're out of your mind. Patriots are going to beat the Colts by 47 points in that game. Patriots are going to be 5-0. and They're going to come home against the Jets. And then home against the Dolphins, back-to-back weeks, 
week seven, week eight. Uh, the week eight game against Miami at home is Thursday night football, short week, short preparation. <sighs> I mean, right now, Miami lose to Jacksonville. You're sitting there going, are the Patriots even going to lose to Miami? <sighs> you, a couple of these divisional games are going to be tough. Uh, are going to be tough. And um, that could be a tough one. Thursday night against Miami. Let's see what Miami does. You know, that's one to circle, and maybe, eh, we'll see what happens. But everything else, it's like automatic Patriots win, right? Then you they play Washington at home, automatic win. Then they go to the Giants for a Sunday afternoon, 425 game in Week 10. Giants, they don't look like they're going to be any good. Uh, they have the one connection, the Odell Beckham Jr. to Eli Manning. You know, what happens? Does Victor Cruz return at any point? Who knows? So maybe they can improve by then. Then you're at home against Buffalo. You know, then you go to Denver Week 11. They're not going to lose to Philly in Week 13. They're not going to lose in Houston in Week 14. Uh, they're not going to lose to Tennessee at home in Week 15. They're not going to lose at New York or at Miami Week 16, 17. At that point, Patriots are going to be firing on all cylinders. You now look at it and go, I mean, are we thinking 15 and one? Are we thinking 14 and two? You know, I had them 12 and four, but they proved me wrong. They beat Buffalo in Week Two, and Dallas is banged up. In week five, no Romo, no Brian. Patriots aren't going to lose that game. What is it? Are they going to lose one of these divisional games? They're not losing in Indy. Are they going to maybe lose to Denver still, like I thought originally they would? Um, You know, Denver did show signs of improvement. I Peyton Manning, people who wrote his obituary, they're foolish. Peyton Manning can still throw the football. Uh, I, I mean, really, it's looking no worse. Put it this way. It's looking no worse than 14-2. and two. It's not. And Patriots 14-2, automatic first-round bye, automatic one seed, automatically the road to the Super Bowl 50 is going through Gillette Stadium. And I got news for the rest of the league, even though McNally and Jastrzemski might be with the Patriots, there'll be someone else handling the footballs, so you can't use that as an excuse when Tom Brady's throwing for 400 yards a game and throwing five TDs a game in each playoff game. And leading the team back to the Super Bowl. All right? So for anybody that, look, anybody that wants to text me yesterday or message me and hit me up on social media, so you picked the pills. Oh, you're a mush. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Listen to everything else, please. Please listen to everything else. I couldn't be more high on the Patriots kicking ass this season. I just figured there'd be a couple bumps along the way. And if there's going to be bumps, there's going to be one early. But guess what? You're right. And I was wrong with the Buffalo game. But looking forward, I'm with uh, everybody should be with me. I'm with everybody. Now it's looking like with the Romo injury, okay, with questions from some of these other teams, Miami losing to Jacksonville. This is looking Philly being brutal. Ryan Mallett not being the answer for the Texans. Honestly, you think Bill Belichick's going to – now, I don't even know that Ryan Mallett's going to be the quarterback for Houston by week 14. Uh, that's that could be like a back and forth Hoya mallet all season long. Bill O'Brien's gonna he's gonna kill one of them. That's what's gonna happen. Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien's gonna kill one of his quarterbacks. He could kill Mallet. I, I mean, he could give Mallet a beating. I have no idea. But Mallet celebrating like that? Who are you? What have what have you done? I would be so if I was on that Texans coaching staff and I saw him do that. Right, steal the Cam Newton, Superman, rip the jersey, rip the, rip the suit off. 
I mean, come on. I know you fight up. I know you want to celebrate. Here's what you do. See the football? Spike it. You want to celebrate? Spike the football. But guess what? You still weren't winning when that happened. So what are you even celebrating for in the first time? Get back to the sideline, look at some film for the next possession, and go out and score again. And yeah, he couldn't do it. I, I, so I have no idea if Mallett's going to be the Texans quarterback by week 14. So I look at the Patriots' schedule, and I think, wow, it's reasonable that they, they are going to be no worse than 14-2. and two. In fact, I put my money right now that the Patriots are no worse than 14-2. and two. And you know what's so amazing about it? Is that you look at their secondary, and it's, I mean, when you lose Revis, and you lose Browner, and you still are going to come out the next season and go 14-2? and two? It's, cr- it's crazy. Do you know how many teams would be able to do that? None. Patriots do it, Belichick and Brady, okay? And it just goes back to my point that you need the elite quarterback to win. But not only do you need the elite quarterback, you need the protection up front. You do. Patriots getting that protection up front, and they have the elite quarterback. They're a scary team, Patriots. And to anybody up on the TV that wants to, you know, say this, that, the other thing, you want to look, look ahead, look at certain games, I mean, look at the schedule. Please, go look at the Patriots' schedule and tell me that the Patriots – won't be four, uh, won't be fourteen and two at the absolute worst. At the worst, fourteen and two, and we're gonna get a. You know, this is why I'm interested to see Colts Jets tonight. Like big spot, you know, Jets got a win over Cleveland in Week One. Cleveland, by the way, Johnny Manziel, their quarterback. Yeah, Manziel didn't throw the ball very much, but he did have two touchdowns. So he looks like he's gonna be the the Browns QB. But you still, I can't buy into it yet. I I'm not gonna buy into that yet. Even when Mariota had that game against Tampa Bay last weekend, I'm not going to buy into the Titans either. And speaking of Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, uh, they go into New Orleans. Look, I have Drew Brees in my fantasy, so I'm pissed off about that. But a lot of people picked New Orleans in that game in their elimination pools. And going in, I told them, I go, I'd stay away from that one. I feel like Tampa Bay has screwed me over in those games against New Orleans. So many times over the last handful of years that I would stay away from that. And look, Tampa Bay, they go in New Orleans and win that game. But the question I have is, you know, what's going to happen to the New Orleans Saints here on out? I mean, what what's going to happen with them? Like, what's their story going to be? You know, they have some major issues, and uh, they are now 0-2. They lose to the Cardinals week one. They're now 0-2. And if you look at the Saints' schedule, um, they are now at Carolina. That's a divisional game. That's no automatic win. That's no automatic win against the 2-0 Panthers team. Then they go there at home against Dallas. Uh, that's probably going to be New Orleans' first win, maybe, right? One, if you're going to put your money on it, what, 1-3 at that point? I think they can go into Philly and win. I think they can beat. Atlanta. We'll see what happens when they go to Indy. But New Orleans got questions, for sure. I, I had them winning the division. I mean, the division winner in that division last NFC South last year, right? What were they? Seven and nine, for crying out loud. It was, uh, it was a terrible division with regards to wins and loss record. But that, that, that'll be something to keep an eye on, what New Orleans does. But yeah, Tampa Bay, they, um, they went into New Orleans and won that one yesterday. But you know, uh, back to my original point, sort of gotten a tangent there. My original point was you need a quarterback in this league 
And uh, I'll be interested to see tonight. Obviously, Andy's got luck. The Jets, like if it's Patrick, that's not going to be the guy that's going to lead them to the promised land or even to the top of the division. They beat Cleveland last weekend. Uh, Indy, they lost to the Bills. I just think this game tonight has the makings of an Indianapolis blowout. I really do in Indy, right? I just I think it has the makings of that. So that's I'm sticking with my pick. Not that I'm ever going to change it once I make picks picks on Friday, but this was my fifth game. And I'm 2-2 two and two on the weekend, looking to be 3-2. and two. And uh, the Colts, seven-point favorite. I think they roll tonight against the Jets on Monday night football. And whatever happens in this game, I will be sure to break it all down for you on tomorrow's podcast. Here five days a week, dannypicard.com. Also, you can subscribe on iTunes, anywhere podcasts are available. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. Facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. So that's a, that's a look around the league. That's a look at week two, almost in the books. Got the Monday night game tonight. We'll get to some baseball as well tomorrow, too. Look at the postseason race Wednesday of every week. We're going to do a complete preview of the upcoming week in the NFL. Uh, the Thursday night game this week to begin week three is going to be Washington at New York, the Redskins-Giants. So um, there's plenty of time to get into some more NFC East stuff. It's definitely an interesting division. It got a lot more interesting with Romo going out yesterday. That's for sure. Uh, just an unfortunate loss for the Cowboys. But like I said, I think the Cowboys, you know, can I, I can envision the Cowboys at the end of the season still being in position where Romo comes back, where Bryant comes back, and they still are in position to win the division. And if that's the case, you know, maybe the route, to the, and the road to the Super Bowl is going to be a little bit more difficult than I had predicted it to be because my original predictions were that the Cowboys are the two seed in the NFC. They beat Seattle in the divisional round in the playoffs because it's in Dallas uh, instead of being in Seattle. And they, they, they beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Like, they, they get back at the, at the Packers, right? Now... Maybe they still have to go to Green Bay. And it's looking like that'll probably be the case. So when I see that, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe not much has changed. Yeah, the road and the wild, they might have to play a wild card game now. Or they might have to uh, play that divisional game on the road instead of at home. So the road to the at least the NFC Championship could be a little bit more difficult for the Cowboys. But I don't look at them and say they can't do it. Now, if you told me Romo's out for the season, I'm going to tell you they can't do it. But if you're telling me he can be back by maybe week 10... Even week 12, I think they have enough. I think the Cowboys are a good enough football team. They put Brandon Whedon in position to not make mistakes, and they can still win some games and be in uh, a race for the NFC East by the time Romo gets back. I do. I really feel that way. But Thursday night game is an NFC East showdown. Giants-Redskins. So Wednesday we'll do all that, preview week three. And tomorrow I'll I'll break down uh, the final game in week two, Colts, Jets, and we'll see where I stand with picks, picks, six and three on the season going into tonight's game. Could be seven and three if the Colts cover, and I think they will. Colts minus seven. I think they're going to roll on the Jets on Monday Night Football. So break that down. Baseball tomorrow. Preview week three on Wednesday, uh, Thursday. You know, we obviously this. I'm sure there's some football stuff we'll get to by then. I mean, the Patriots Jacksonville preview this week is going to be pretty blah, isn't it? I mean, what's coming out of Jacksonville's room? Like, what's the, what are the sound bites going to be? Unless someone in Jacksonville gets fucking nuts and says, 
We're going into Gillette, and we guarantee a win. Because <laughs> Blake Portals is our guy. Uh, that's really, un- unless that is said, this is going to be a pretty quiet week with the Patriots and the Jaguars because there is no chance they lose to Jacksonville at Gillette Stadium on Sunday. But more football throughout the week and even some baseball. And, yeah, I know hockey preseason has begun. Basketball NBA preseason will begin soon. The Bruins play last night. I'm not really into it. I can't watch the preseason game yet when it's not the entire roster. One of the Bruins youngsters, he sounded off over the weekend. Maybe we'll get to that at some point this week as well. Uh, But, again, I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.